Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Good morning and welcome to the class in Romans. We're glad that you're here, glad that you're online and watching us. We did not finish Romans 11 last time. I will finish today and then I will read chapter 12. Chapter 12 is not complex, so I will read it. We'll have no notes on it. Uh, I must tell you something before I do this class. I've already told Glenn College, so I guess it'll work. I had a dream last night about this class. And I said, what is the real problem in Antioch of Syria? Of course, the real problem is circumcision. You know that. But as soon as I asked that question, Glenn Collins said, diphtheria. I said, what? He said, well, you know, back in 1945 to 1949, I said, Glenn, we're talking about Paul's day. He said, oh, that was I really dreamed that. Isn't that crazy? Brother Glenn said, you're so detailed, James. Well, I was detailed. Well, we're going to get through this as fast as we can and as, as thorough as we can. I want to start in Ephesians 3.8 here. We're showing, we were showing, this is a bit of review. We're showing that, uh, that, uh, Paul is preaching among the Gentiles. But first, I do have something that I need to get into. Uh, Am I lost? The answer is yes. I am lost. It's Glenn's fault. Found it. Thank you. Paul emphasized that he was to preach among the Gentiles. Agrippa, when he told when Paul told him that, he said, Paul, you are beside yourself. Uh, this is crazy that the Gentiles are going to have the gospel. And then in Romans, uh, in Acts 28, verse 28, Paul is preaching to the Romans. He just gets there. Let it be known to you that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And they will hear it. Uh, the Jews of Rome generally did not agree with Paul in his position, and he went on to his prison and stayed there, and they left him alone pretty much so. Now let's look at Romans 11, verse uh, 16, beginning. That's where we start. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. The first fruit he's talking about, of course, is saved Israel. God started this idea with Eve. In thy seed, uh, well, her seed would be blessed. Then with Abraham in thy seed shall all nations of earth be blessed. And then the faithful of Abraham is called the first fruit. And then he goes on and he shows that the lump is holy. If the first fruit is holy and if the root is holy, the root and the first fruit are the same. And the lump is, is uh, the... the uh, the lump and the root are the same, and that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And if that's true, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, you Gentiles were grafted in among them, and with them become a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. Do not divide yourself, Jew and Gentile. We are one in Christ, he's trying to say. And don't boast, Gentiles, because you have been accepted, and the Jews are not accepting this. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Don't think that you're the one that's important here. It is the first, the seed. It is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and what they did to bring the seed into existence that supports you. You do not support that. Sometimes we get concerned and and proud that we're the ones that make the church, that we're the ones that Without us, the church couldn't exist. Well, that's true, of course, in a collective sense. Sometimes a man or woman starts thinking that he or she is the one that makes it go. That is not true. The church is based in Christ. It is not based in us. Romans one nineteen. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. That's true, the Gentiles. True of the Gentiles. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. At first, the church was a Jewish church. Only Jews on Pentecost and proselytes, they were Gentiles, but they were Jews by conversion. Only they were members of the church. Cornelius was a specific Gentile. He had no connection with the Jews, spiritually speaking, and God worked a miracle to show that That was the case, and he should be entered in. He should be admitted. Uh, These Jews were broken off, though, to allow the Gentiles admission. You stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, Gentiles. Don't stick your chest out about this and brag about it, but fear, because God will judge you. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. You can't be what you want to be. You must be what he wants you to be. And that you're not on your own, but you're on his time. You're on his property. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. I want to stop there just a minute. What if they did not continue in his goodness? They wouldn't be blessed. They would fall. You mean you can fall from grace? Bible teaches over and over you can. Men say you can. God says you can. If you continue as good as otherwise, you also will, will be cut off. Well said. Romans eleven twenty three, and they also, that is the Jews, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. The Jews generally rejected Christ. They don't have a chance. Oh, yes, they do too. If they don't continue in unbelief, they will be grafted in to this tame olive, brand, olive tree, which they were a part of at one place. For God is able to graft them in again. They were there. They were cut off. He said, I can bring them back in. For if you were cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, the Gentiles were on the wild olive tree, were grafted in contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted in to their own olive tree. You know, this is uh, 
confusing, I guess, because we don't talk about it. Don't hear many lessons on this. But he has two olive trees here. He has the natural olive tree, which came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he has the wild olive tree. This is the Jewish olive tree. This is the Gentile olive tree. And he cut some branches off the Jewish tree because they rejected Christ. And he took some branches from the wild olive tree, put it onto the tame olive tree. And that's what he's talking about right here. And he says uh, that you Gentiles were able to be grafted in, how much more quickly and readily do you think the Jews could be grafted in if they repent? The whole point is, the Jews were prepared for Christ. They did reject him, but they were prepared because the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. They have more, they have a greater advantage than the Gentiles had. They understood Christianity better in its broader sense of the word. They understood the eldership better. They understood the local church better. They understood all those things because Judaism had brought these forth. It was a pattern given in Judaism that brought Christianity forth. The Gentiles were pagans, and they had all sorts of beliefs and doings. In John 1, I don't have that on the board, I don't think, but God God says he came to his own, and his own received him not. He came to his own people, the Jews. They did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, some of them did, to them he gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And uh, that's true of the Jews. It became true of the Gentiles. Romans uh, 11, 25 For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Israel is rejecting Christ and making a way from the Gentiles to come in because of their rejection. Jew and Gentile didn't get along. They didn't interact with each other. It was wrong for them to do so. They both thought that in their minds. So here we have a Jewish church begun on Pentecost. But Isaiah 62, 62, God said, I will give them a new name. I'll give the Gentiles a name. I'll give the Gentiles a name with them. So here are the Gentiles. They need to come together, and yet it doesn't seem it can be. And Paul said it can be. This is... Well, this will be true until the, uh, and, and that blindness in the part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. The destruction of Jerusalem <coughs> proclaimed that the church was an institution of itself. It was not a Jewish church. It was not a thing of Moses until that time Everyone seemed to think, that is outsiders, seemed to think that it was only a Jewish church. We had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Christians. Four Jewish, great, big Jewish, powerful organizations. And God put a stop to that because when he destroyed Jerusalem, the Sadducees disappeared. The Pharisees went into uh, um, oblivion and uh, the Essenes are no more. We have the church. And it becomes an organization of its own. 
40 years after it was established. And so all Israel will be saved. Well, all the Jews are going to be saved. That's not what it says. I want to take some time here and show you something. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't want to get too complex here, but I want to say this. God so loved the world. I talked about this some time ago in this pulpit, but I want to emphasize it again. God loved the world so much. No, no, no. That's not what it says at all. That's not what it says at all. I was reading some translators the other day, and they said it is hard to take a passage that has been used so many times and everybody knows it and translate it right if it's translated wrong. That is translated wrong. Gives us the wrong impression. Well, what should it say? Let me read it to you. Uh, New American Standard finally says, and thus God loved the world. Gave his only begotten son. The complete Jewish Bible, that's a new modern translation, and that is the way God loved the world. Idiomatic translation, New Testament, also in a comparable way, God loved the world. New Jerusalem Bible, and this is how God loved the world. What's he talking about? What's the context? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And that's the way God loved the world. And expressed it by lifting up his son on the cross. So it was a great love. It was much love. That's not what the text says. The text says in this manner God loved the world. He demonstrated that by lifting up Jesus on the cross. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. This is the way God showed that he loved the world. And for you grammarians here, that is called an adverb of manner. It's not an adverb of amount. It's an adverb of manner. And this is an adverb of manner here. And so shall all Israel be saved. In this manner, Israel will be saved. In what manner? In the manner of obeying the gospel and being grafted in again. That's the way Israel will be all Israel, all true Israel, yes. He's not making a statement that because of this, everybody descendant of Abraham is going to be saved. Eventually, they're going to come back to Jerusalem, and and that's still in the future, according to that theology. Everybody is going to respond to Christ in a positive way, and all the Jews will be there to say, we're back to, we're coming to Christ, and all of them are going to be saved. This is not what Romans 11, 26 teaches has no kinship to that. In this manner, Israel is going to be saved. In the same manner, the Gentiles are saved. I was visiting in another place one time to preach in another state. And the man, it was early Sunday morning, I was already up and in the bathroom brushing my teeth. He knocked on my door. And I came out. He said, Brother Andrews, I want you to hear something. And a guy on television was preaching that there was a plan of salvation for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, was a correct command. But it was for 
the Jews only. The Gentiles didn't have to do that. And he preached and preached, preached. He said, you ever heard anything like that? I said, yes, I have. It is a belief presented by some of the fundamentalists that says in the first century there were two plans of salvation and the Jews had to be baptized to be saved. The Gentiles didn't. And of course, as it comes on into our culture, nobody has to be baptized anymore to be saved. Acts 2.38 teaches that the Jews must be baptized. That was never taught to the Gentiles. I've wondered why the Philippian jailer had to be baptized because he was certainly a Gentile. I wondered why Cornelius had to be baptized. See, we just kind of leave out what we don't like. How sad. The deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they're beloved for the sake of the fathers. There are some Jews that are going to obey the gospel, Paul says. They're going to come back. They're going to obey the gospel, repent and be baptized for the mission of their sins. They're going to be grafted in to this olive tree that you're grafted into now. It's the natural olive tree. Easy to get them in. They have all the background they need to obey the gospel. They get in with less struggle in their minds than you had. Wow. Romans eleven twenty nine for the gifts, the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their, di- through their disobedience. The door has opened to you through their disobedience. I think of Cornelius. Never would have gone to Jerusalem and stopped and asked the church, you know, how can I be saved? Because he was afraid they would say, you can't be. Unless you're circumcised and become a Jew first, and then you can be saved. He didn't want to do that, so he got a vision. Send men to Joppa. Call for one whose surname is Peter. He lodges with Simon the Tanner. He will come and tell you words whereby you and your house may be saved. Isn't that wonderful? For God has committed them all to obedience that he might have mercy on all. The last section of this needs no comment. It ends in an amen. I love Paul, verse 33 through 36, as he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of God or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Love it. Now that was in a hurry. I hope you're not confused. I got lost to begin with, but I hope I found my way and hope I found your way. The book of Romans is extremely difficult. Verses, chapters 1 through 8 deal with the Jew-Gentile relationship, the saved-lost relationship, and chapters 9 and 10 and 11 deal with the sovereignty of God, and then 12 through 16 about Christians, and we're going to read chapter 12 just slowly, carefully. I'm going to give our poor translator Troy a break. He uh, is very nice. He could have clawed my eyeballs out a couple of times, but he didn't. He's keeping up. 
Somebody's commended him online for saying, Troy is really keeping up with you, and I'm glad to hear that. Thank you, Troy, for what you're doing. Okay, Romans 12. I beseech you, I call you to my side, and I beg you, Paul says. Therefore, brethren, by the pity, the compassion of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You ever heard of that? Was there any place in the Old Testament where God ever said, I want you to be a living sacrifice? I want you to have a sheep that's a living sacrifice, a goat that's a living sacrifice, a bullock as a living sacrifice. They were dead sacrifices. Now, Paul said that's not what God wants. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means a continual sacrifice. Means a sacrifice on Sunday morning, a sacrifice on Sunday night, a sacrifice on Monday morning, Friday night, Saturday night, a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your thoughtful, divine worship. And that word there for service is worship. It also is a worship service, a service of worship, a reasonable, a general service of worship. That's what I want you, that is your reasonable service of worship. I remember an old man over in Big Cove. Somebody asked him if he was coming to worship that night. He said, nope. My Bible tells me to give a reasonable service, and I gave one this morning. That'll do me for a week. Well, good opinion, I guess, but bad. Do not be conformed. Do not be patterned according to this world. There are two words for world in the in the Bible. One is Ion, which means age. The other is cosmos or cosmos. Cosmos means arrangement. It is the, uh, and ladies, we get our word cosmetology from that because the cosmetologist arranges your hair and your face and whatever. The cosmos is the earth and its, pla- the, the sun and its planets, all the parts of the universe, that is the the cosmos. But he's not saying that. He's saying, I want you to not be conformed to this age. This age, what's happening in this age. And we can look about us today and say that even applies today. Because we have many conflicts with this age. Our children don't even play anymore. They sit around and punch buttons on the computer and kill people all the time and don't think anything about it. They watch people die, don't think anything about it. So every once in a while, one of those kids go crazy and they just as soon shoot you and watch you die because it's not real. That's our age. That's bad. Every age has its own problem. But do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. I love this, seventh graders. There aren't any in here. The word is metamorphosis, which is the picture of the the egg, the lava, the butterfly. That's the transition. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Love it. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each of 
each one a measure of faith. Aren't I important? Just the most important guy in the world, most important guy in the community, most important guy in the church. Don't know what my community and the church could do without me. Paul said, stop it. This is crazy. You want to know your real worth? Somebody says, take a glass of water, put your finger into it, take it out and see what kind of dent you left. That is us. That is I. That is you. Doesn't mean we're unimportant, but it means everything goes on without us. And we have a right to know that. We should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. First Corinthians 10, 12. And the spiritual leaders are also warned when they go to help a person who's in spiritual trouble to make sure they don't fall in that same kind of problem. I have known of elders who have gone to chastise a brother who have fallen into the same sin he's into, and it happened years ago with the Pentecostal movement in the church. I couldn't name names that I don't want to. But there were elders who were converted in Nashville, Tennessee, by some who had fallen in Pentecostalism. We have a way of saying, well, he's just a man. I'm just a man. Don't expect anything of me. Well, we shouldn't say that either. We look at Moses. We hear him say, here now, O Israel, must we fetch forth water out of this rock? You say that was crazy. He's arrogated to himself power that belongs to God. Yes, and he has a right to, somebody says, because Israel has jerked him around so much and he is so tired of showing them God that he finally says, okay, I'm going to take charge. Aaron and I are going to take charge. You know what God said, Moses, you will not enter the promised land. Well, he's just a man. I know he's just a man and he fell. And he never got up again. Not completely. David's adultery and murder. He's just a man. Of course he's just a man. But adultery and murder are still wrong. Peter, doing well in Antioch with the Gentiles. No problem at all until some important brothers came down from Jerusalem. And then he withdrew himself from the Gentiles and would not eat with them. And Paul didn't say he's just a man. He said, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. In the old Western movie, sometimes there was a great gunman, a man who stood for right. And he stood on top of everybody who was after him, but he always got them. Somebody would say, I don't think there's anybody faster than you are. And you've probably seen this in the movie. He said, there's not a horse that can't be rode. There's not a man that can't be thrown. Grammar, the uh, grammar is not exactly right, but how true it is. We're all just men, but that's no excuse. We need to get beyond that. Verse 4, Romans 12. For as many as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
You know, sometimes we say, we see a good man, a good woman. We say, that's the ideal person. I wish everybody could be just like that woman or that man. We don't want that. What if every man in here had the same ability Brother Glenn has to preach? I mean, he can lead singing, but he doesn't do it quite as well as Keith Anderson does. You know, there are many things that we can do that are not quite as good as other things. Glenn is one of the best preachers I've ever heard in my life. I don't mind saying that. I've told him that. I've told you that. He's a preacher I don't even have to listen to. He just pours it in. I commend him for that. That's an unusual treat. If ever, ever, unusual uh, uh, trait. If everybody could do that, then everybody would be preaching. All the men would be preaching. Where would be the men to do other things that need to be done in the church? And of course, Paul makes that argument from 1 Corinthians 12. The foot can't complain because he's not the hand. Ear can't complain because he's not the eye. If the ear were the eye, where would the hearing be? If the foot were the hand, where would the walking be? And uh, that, that just doesn't make sense at all. We are as we are, and uh, God made us this way, and we need to use our talents according to his ability. Uh, <clears throat> I want to ask you a question. How many faithful, unimportant workers do we have in this church here? We have faithful, unimportant workers in this church here. How many do we have? I'll tell you how many we have. Zero. We have zero. Because workers are workers. If they're faithful, they're doing God's work. There are many men who who can't preach, but they can do something else. Many men here that can't lead singing, but they can do something else. Maybe some men here that can't lead prayer. I remember baptizing a man one time. He said, Brother Andrews, I, I don't think I can ever lead a public prayer. I said, you don't have to do that to go to heaven. You don't have to lead a public prayer. I saw him just a few weeks before he died. And he said, Brother Andrews, I want to tell you something. He said, you baptized me seven years ago. He said, I led my first public prayer last Sunday. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody says, I can't lead singing. Well, we need somebody who can, so don't try. I can't do a one-on-one Bible study. I did a Bible study with a man with me one time in a foreign country. He was a man that I admire so greatly. He was a stadium preacher, a television preacher. He went with me on that class. He said, James, I can't do that. He said, I would freeze if I had to sit down and talk with one person about his soul. Not freeze in front of 50,000 people. One person, he said, I just, I just can't do that. I can't do it. And I'll tell you one thing I can do. I, James Andrews, can teach small children, but I'll tell you something else. They wouldn't like what I said, and they wouldn't like how I said it. I'm just not a good kid person. 
I can pat them on the head, sit them on my lap, hug them, but I can't do a Bible class with them. I've tried and it doesn't work. They all want to run out and cry, Mama, Mama, get us out of here. It's not my talent. And I don't like jail ministry either. I've done some of it. I worked in Reasonable State Prison, Georgia. Went behind seven locked doors. When I came to the seventh one, I said, guard, let me in. He said, you won't, can't go into that man. Said he will kill you. I said, open the door. He asked me to come. I want to go in and sit with him. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He opened the door and went in before me, put his hand on his gun and locked the door. And I sat and talked to the guy 30 minutes. I didn't like that, but I wanted to do it right. So I'll let you folks do the jail ministry. If you don't mind, I'll do something else. Those are gifts we're talking about. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given me, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, these things are written in the time of the miraculous age, and I don't know how many of these are direct, directly related to the miraculous age, but I know prophecy is, and ministry sometimes was, and teaching somewhat time was, and even exhortation. They had special gifts to do these things. We do not have those special gifts. But teaching still has to be done. Ministry, exhortation, giving, and mercy still has to be done. So there's an application here for us. It's just that way. But he says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In those days, a man with the gift of prophecy might present himself in a way that he's sort of a braggart. And how would it be for a man who cannot read and write to be able to speak like Shakespeare? Something wrong with that, isn't there? I wouldn't say he couldn't do that if he had the gift, but he would do that boastfully, I'm sure. If I could speak like Shakespeare, I would probably do it boastfully too. I work among the Jamaicans, and the Jamaican high school children Read the New Testament like Shakespeare. I can't believe it. I'm embarrassed to read in their presence. But that's just how it is. Personal abilities. Our personal abilities should be influenced by God himself. And we cannot, should not exaggerate them. Let love be without hypocrisy. Now, in this text, chapters 9 through 13, there are two philo words, three philo words, and I'm going to emphasize them at the expense of being thought to be saying something ugly uh, because foreign words are ugly words to us. But philo means love, and I'm going to show you those words when I come to them. Let love be without hypocrisy. A hypocrite is one who wears a mask. One who is not who he appears to be. The uh, actors of those days were called hypocrites. It's not a bad word. <laughs> actor is not a bad word for us. So the word actor was the same as hypocrites. 
But let love be without a mask. Abhor what is evil. You know, I feel so robbed because I know little about Greek and Hebrew. I told God at one time I would learn it and I haven't done so well. But we miss so much. The word abhor is the strongest word that can be translated from that Greek word, which means to draw back from like it's a snake. That's what word the word abhor means. Now, if you're not afraid of snakes, you'd have to pick something else. But I don't like snakes. I don't like green ones or black ones or rattlesnakes or copperheads. I don't like them dead or alive. And I'm sorry, but if I see one, I'm going to kill it. I know it's in your garden. You need it. But keep me out of your garden. I abhor a snake. I shrink back from a snake. Abhor what is evil. Cling to that which is good. The word cling is very opposite. Glue yourself to. Bolt yourself to. Whatever. Attach yourself to what is good. Be kindly affectionate. Ah, there's that philo word. Philostorgos. Love. Storgos is a special word that also includes love. It is a family love. I do not feel, I'm not, I cannot feel that love for anybody in this church. I don't have a single relative here. I can't have this love, Storgos. Now, of course, I'm talking about the basic word. The idea here, of course, we're brothers, sisters in Christ and it does work. But I'm talking about in a natural way. I don't have a Storgas love for anybody here. That's the love that parents have for children. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters have for each other. Aunts and uncles have for their nieces and nephews. That's what Storgas means. And, uh, then he, of course, he, he says we're supposed to be that way in Christ because we're brothers and sisters. We love our kinsmen in Christ. Philostorgus. One another with brotherly love. There's another philo word, or phys, phila here. Philadelphia. Let me say that again. Philadelphia. I'm not going to ask you to say anything, but raise your hand if that sounds like any word you know. And I got, got two or three. Oh, I got three or four here. Philadelphia. Philo, love. Delphia, brothers. It's a city of brotherly love. At least it used to be. It's not anymore. Excuse me if you're from Philadelphia. Don't shoot me, but it's the truth. <clears throat> In honor, I'm going to pass the collection plate here at the end here to all the women. In honor, Giving preference one to another. The word honor there is time. T-I-M-A or T-I-M-E is the way it's transliterated. And it means to raise upon a pedestal so as to worship. In honor, giving preference one to another. But the reason I'm going to pass the hat to the women is 1 Corinthians 3, 7 teaches a man to time his wife. Honor his wife. Put her on a pedestal. In your home. I'm not going to stop anyway. Not lagging in diligence, fervent, boil with heat, in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. That's when it's on heavy weight on your chest. You're still bearing up under it. 
continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Philonesia. Philo, love. Nisia, foreigners. Hospitality, love for foreigners. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be not of the same, be of the same mind one of another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own conceits. Now, how important is James Andrews? And use your own name there. Again, back to the glass of water. I don't even see where James Andrews has been. Wow. Repay no one evil for evil. This is hard. You get me, I'm going to get you. You come after me, I'm going to turn and go after you. Repay to no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I like that. As much as it depends on you. Missionary friend came to this church one time, not this building, but West Huntsville Church. And he came to me. He was in my class. He came to me and said, I understand that you're a publisher. Yes. He said, you have access to the internet? Yes. He said, I want you to do something for me. And he described some people that were after him on the internet. He said, I know nothing about the internet, but I want you to make a response to that. And, uh, I will give you some information. You can write it as you wish. I said, I will write it no way. I said, you don't have any idea how big that thing would get if we start fussing on the internet. I'm not going to do it. And I was, I said it like that. I didn't say, I'm sorry, sir. I just said, I'm not going to do it. It won't work. It's a serious thing. We don't need to fight about it. That's a common saying. I've used it here, but I'll use it again. Don't get into a fight with a pig. Both of you will get muddy and he will love it. Verse 19, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. It is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If you thirst, give him drink. In so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. This is the definition of agape love. It is not phileo love. Love your enemies is agape love your enemies, not phileo your enemies. You don't have to make enemies your friend. You have to work in their interest. Love it. By avenging yourselves... Ourselves, we do not abandon right and justice. We do not enthrone viciousness and injustice, but turn over the whole matter of attending to justice to God. I didn't say that. It's a quote I just read, but I love it. We don't give up anything when we avenge our, when we don't avenge ourselves, we turn it over to God, which is what He said to do. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Stay out of God's business of vengeance. He will bless you. Well, you've been patient. I hope you receive something from this next Sunday morning, Lord willing. We will go to chapter 13. And uh, you've been a great class. Let us bow together. Father, thank you for our blessings. Thank you for this class. Thank you for giving us the Bible that we can get from it those things that you put in. 
that we can become gracious servants of yours, faithful in your service, and trusting in your way. Bring us back at the next appointed time. We pray through Christ. Amen. You're dismissed. Don't run in the hall. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.